reading from the first letter of Peter. Christ also suffered sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which also he went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in former times did not obey, but God waited patiently in the days of Noah, during the building of the ark, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were saved through water. And the baptism, which this prefigured, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers made subject to him. The word of the Lord. Now, after John was arrested, 
the name of the God who accompanies us in our wilderness. Genesis. After the devastating flood, there was a rainbow, a promise that God would never again be the cause of our suffering. The Gospel. Jesus was tended to by angels in the wilderness. Sometimes this is all I need to know, all I really needed to hear of today's readings, all I can take in. There was a deadly flood, but it dried up, and God's promise and protection was painted across the sky. There was wilderness, but in the wilderness there were angels. Angels who tended to a tired, hungry, struggling Jesus. On Wednesday, our Lenten journey began, and we were marked in ash with the sign of the cross, remembering that death is inevitable on this earthly journey for all of us. And then we turned on the news and saw the death of 17 in a school, and our souls collectively moan, no, no, not again. And we saw the faces of young ones lost and cried, no, no, not yet. It's not your turn to return to the dust. It's not the Wickedness, sin, assaults of the devil, and everlasting. 
damnation. And that was just the first page. Now these are not words and phrases that we Episcopalians like to spend a lot of time on. We even prayed this morning for the strength to be able to stomp down Satan under our feet. We don't talk much about Satan in our church because we hold a broad variety of views on who or what exactly Satan might be. Is Satan the darkness that exists in each of us? Is it really a fallen angel who tries to pull us from the love of God and turn us against one another? Is it the energy force behind school shootings and abuse, greed and hatred, partisanship and division? Maybe. Honestly, I don't know for sure. What I do know is that there is evil. I have seen it. I have known myself to embody it. Now, it is not the core of our nature, as some shame-inducing traditions may have us believe. Rather, it pulls us from our core, where God's image is stamped on us, and it disorients us. Lent comes to name evil, disempower it, abolish it, and reorient us to all that is good and right and true. I have come to know this process of reorientation as something that requires wilderness. I don't know exactly why that is. Maybe it's that wilderness has more space, or wilderness wakes our senses up, shakes us a bit breaks us out of our routines or forces us to ask difficult questions and seek deeper answers. We're often tempted to think of wilderness as only something inflicted upon us. Sometimes it is. Natural disaster, a violent attack seem beyond our control. Grief and depression are both wildernesses. Sickness and loneliness. Job loss. Relocation memory loss, and trauma. They're all wildernesses that happen to us. But what about the wildernesses that we choose? There's a story that keeps surfacing online. Ernie sent it to Nancy and I this week. It's about a teacher who, ever since Columbine, every Friday, has been having her fifth graders anonymously write down the names of fellow students who they want to sit with the next week. And they're asked to write down the names of students who they think are good citizens. And then this teacher, when she's alone, she spreads out all her papers and enters the wilderness of the fifth grade social world and looks for patterns. Who's left out? Who doesn't seem to have any friends? Who doesn't list anyone? never named? Who needs help, guidance, or listening here? She doesn't want any of them to slip through the cracks, and so she opts in to their wilderness. Optional wilderness is joining others in the wildernesses that they have little or no control over. Optional wilderness is leaving unfulfilling work to start something new and risky because it better meets the needs of the world. Optional wilderness is relentless call to our representatives. 
Will we go knowing that angels will attend to us? Knowing that at the end of the storm, there will be a rainbow and God's promise, and it just might be powerful enough to leave a tomb empty and the world change and heal? And if we go into the wilderness, what then? At the end of 40 days, Jesus walked out of the wilderness and began to change the world around him with the power of love. Guided by the Spirit, accompanied by angels, and reoriented to the goodness of our true nature, we must do
Thank you. 